I am Bill Bennett, and welcome to the show. It's called The Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump. We take a look at the current administration. We address the existential threats to America. Joining us today, Brian Kennedy, president of the American Strategy Group. I am a fellow at the American Strategy Group here in Washington. Brian is also the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger in China. I want to jump in. First of all, have you noticed that the whole Biden, Hunter Biden thing has totally disappeared? And no one talks about it. I mean, they barely talked about it when it was a thing. And now that it has been a few days, it's definitely not. It's the power of the media. You know, they ignored it and it disappeared. You know, it's magic. They ignored it. If they don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And it is gone, gone, gone. And uh, that is something somebody did put up something funny about that. In contrast, I thought this was very good. A guy whose uh, name on at least on the line is right wing vet. Christine Blasey Ford, I have no witnesses, no details, and no evidence. Media found her extremely credible. Tony Bobolinsky, naval officer, submarine guy, said, I have phone recordings, emails, texts, itineraries, and receipts. Media said, not credible. All right, well, here's the moment. Um, Trump will win, uh, I think, 300-plus. What do you have last time? 308, something like that, maybe a little better. And we'll get a prediction from Brian Kennedy, but that's my prediction. Uh, I know this is against uh, what almost all the pollsters say. Not all of them, but almost all of them. But um, that's what I think. Well, let me tell you the Pennsylvania thing. See, one of the reasons I hope it's 300 is that then you could discount the 20 electoral votes from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Here's why. I think shenanigans are abroad in Pennsylvania. Here's what happens. The Democrats in Pennsylvania have managed to pull off uh, what one writer called a welcome mat to voter fraud. You decide yourself. But here's what they've done. Um These are rules put in place uh, by them. Mail-in ballots received and counted up to three days after Election Day if they were postmarked before November 3rd. Okay, postmarked before November 3rd. They can be uh, counted up to three days after. Ballots that arrived late without a postmark are to be presumed to have been mailed before Election Day. Why? Third, signatures on the email on the mail-in ballots don't have to match those on record. Why? Hmm. Why? Yeah. So send in a bunch of ballots that don't have a postmark, signatures that anybody signs don't have to match, and you've just done what's called vote harvesting. You get a close result in Pennsylvania, you get 50,000 of these, that could do it. Um, Democrats on the state Supreme Court, and it's elective in Pennsylvania, the state Supreme Court, have effectively stripped Pennsylvania of, uh, and its legislature of any practical way to challenge mail-in ballots before they're counted. So the outcome of the presidential election will come down to a post-election day knife fight, according to a former federal and state prosecutor, Republican. So the state Supreme Court certainly tilted the scales, and um, the uh, attorney general, Democrat Josh Shapiro, has said, Biden will win the election, tweeted on Monday. If all the votes are added up in Pennsylvania, Trump's going to lose. That's why he's working overtime to subtract as many votes as possible from the process. Uh, However, um, they're feeling very self-satisfied about this process because it was challenged and went to the Supreme Court. And Supreme Court decided on a 4-4 vote with um, John Roberts siding with the liberals that they wouldn't challenge the um, decision of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court five days before an election. So this was five days ago that it came before the Supreme Court and they made the decision. They just didn't want to think they ought to do that before. But they left open the possibility that they could rule on it afterwards. And if they do, it'll then be a 5-4 court, or at least a nine-person court. 
the um, election rules in the Constitution say that state legislators will set the rules for how votes are to be counted and so on. And it does not say state Supreme Courts will. Mm-hmm. To the legislature, not the courts. So if the big Supreme Court of the United States rules that the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania was out of bounds because it undercut what the legislature did in Pennsylvania, then those uh, questionable, I'll put it that way, ballots will not be counted. Is that clear? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, that we'll see. So um, they're running around saying the Supreme Court decided with us. Supreme Court temporarily decided with them 4-4. But it's going to be a different Supreme Court later. And uh, they eff- effectively put it in abeyance saying, we'll look at this later. They didn't want to prejudge it. But post-judge, they may have to do it just like last time, the, the time with George Bush in Florida. So we'll see. Okay. Um, that, I think, is the, um, is the big thing. I, you know, I'm very moved by the president because I think he'll have a huge turnout today. Uh-huh. Uh, you look at those crowds. You have 56,000 people in Butler, uh-huh. Pennsylvania. Not a big place. Right. Not a big place. Mm-hmm. And that's, this, these are the largest political crowds ever. Quite something. And with Biden, it's been small. I, I was on uh, TV the other day, and they had a split screen of a Trump rally and a Biden rally. And I said, Trump rally, you know, as far as the eye could see. Mm-hmm. Biden rally, as far as the arm could extend. <laughs> you were at least too deep, you know. Right, yeah. So yeah. Trump had 50,000, 56,000 people. Mm-hmm. Those things matter, and I think enthusiasm matters. Enthusiasm for matters. Dislike of Trump will matter some, but I think love of Trump matters more than not liking Trump. And these people for Trump are really for Trump, as you can see. Let's go to some emails. I know we have a couple on a couple of different topics, but let's start with some um, predictions, election day stuff, and then we'll read the other two and, you know, interspersed. Okay? Absolutely. I promise we'd do that. Go ahead, Claude. What's the first one? All right. So we've got our friend Kevin uh, emailing in uh, at Bill Bennett podcast at gmail.com. He says, Bill, love your podcast. Here's my prediction. Trump, 278 electoral votes. Thursday, he will be declared the winner. A little low, but I think you're right in the final result, Kevin. All right. Let's see. Our friend Lynn emailed in with uh, her prediction. She says, uh, we will know in five days about the election results. Yeah, President that's, Trump uh, will that's win. right. It might be five days. I mean, uh. <laughs> this is President Trump will win. Republicans will take the House. Republicans will take the Senate. Uh, and she also says, by the way, uh, Attorney General William Barr will be instrumental in our country for a number of reasons. Mr. Bennett, may God continue to bless you and your family. I think you are the greatest. Thank you very much. That's Lynn. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Lynn, I agree. He'll win. Yeah, we maybe have to wait five days. You're right. Especially if Pennsylvania's front and center. Right. Uh, Right. I don't think Republicans get the House. I think they eke out the Senate. If Trump wins, I think he carries enough people over the line that Republicans Mm -hmm. keep the Senate. But uh, thanks for reminding us the importance of that race. If Biden wins everything... There'll be hell to pay. You've all heard what it's going to be, but it'll be two more states, two more places. Puerto Rico and D.C. will be made states. You're going to pack the Supreme Court. You're going to end the filibuster. Um, uh, you know, one thing they're going to do, too, is they're going to have this $15 minimum wage, not just federal, but everywhere in the country. And it might make sense in New York, but in Alabama, Mississippi, poor states, it doesn't make sense. And you're going to bankrupt businesses. Right. So look out for that one. Go ahead. All right. We've got uh, another Lynn, Lynn and Barb uh, Peterson. Uh, Dear Bill, my wife and I are in our 70s. We're solid Trump supporters, but I think he will lose 
uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and a very motivated Trump-hating left. Plus, the mail-in vote will be manipulated against Trump. They're uh, emailing in from Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, thanks. It's good to know where from. Um, yeah, there will be manipulation. And if COVID is on the mind of most voters as number one, and they disapprove of the president, you know, it's toss, it's toss up, I think, between those who, whom COVID is number one and those for whom lockdown and economy is number one, care about COVID, but realize that as the president says, the cure can be worse than the, than the malady. Uh, I think he wins, though. But you may be right. We'll, we'll earmark that one in case uh, we need to say you were right. I'm doing this because I think it's good to get the audience on record. You know, Absolutely. Not just my voice or yours. Here's our friend Kevin from Monroe, uh, New Jersey. He says, hey, Bill, my prediction is Trump will win the Electoral College uh, 284 to 254, with PA being the difference, uh, because it'll end up being in the courts. won't be finalized until December 15th, wow. 2020. Long time to wait. But we yeah. waited longer for Bush Gore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Until January. So mm-hmm. possible. All right, our friend Doug Giuliano, uh, he says, uh, Claude, my prediction is, uh, my prediction for the election, Trump wins, uh, but only after the Supreme Court rules late ballots illegal in Pennsylvania. Uh, Let's see, uh, Barrett casting, deciding vote 5-4 in the decision. House remains Democrat controlled, but uprising of AOC and the squad led to AOC becoming the speaker. So Doug's Doug's going in. He's going in deeper. Yeah, he thinks AOC, there will be an uprising and she'll become the speaker of the House. Uh, Senate ends with a 50-50 tie with Pence the deciding vote. House impeaches Trump again, this yeah. time for <laughs> suppressing the vote. Uh, uh, the Senate votes to convict scary. with uh, Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, and Lisa Murkowski voting with the Dems. House will then impeach Barrett, but Senate will fail to uh, convict. Wow, we got to save this one. This is <laughs> right. kind of a nightmare scenario. Yeah, no, right. Will- I mean, I like a lot of it, but it's, some of it's horrible. Yeah, and he goes on. Riots will incur will occur in all major blue cities. The country will be thrown into chaos. I, I hope Don is wrong, but this, we got to save it. The smart guy, though, yeah, right about yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania thing. He sees that. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Supreme Court will ultimately, I think, strike that uh, late ballot provision, unsigned ballot, uh, or matching, unsigned matching, uh, signed but not matching down. But other things are interesting. Um, yeah, maybe right on the Senate, uh, the House. I think he's right on that. Will they impeach him again? Uh, yeah. AOC is interesting. I've heard rumors. Have you heard this, Claude? That she's not going to run for speaker. She's going to challenge Schumer. Hmm. Senate. I think certainly her ambitions are large. And has everybody listening in the audience uh, heard that or watched that uh, video of Bernie Sanders talking to AOC and Ayanna Presley and Elon Omar? Have you seen that, Claude? I have not. Well, it's it's out there. And he's saying, look, this is just the beginning. We get Joe in. We push him in the right direction. His election is just the start, thanks to you all. Uh, and we're going to push in a very progressive direction. Hmm. We get Medicare for all and all these other things. So, uh, you know, their their intentions are clear. It's not like they're hiding them. Okay, so those are our predictions. We've got some other emails. Folks emailed in about a few other different things. You want to hear those right now? I do. Okay, so we've got our friend Zach. Uh, he emails in and says, uh, good morning. I'm a subscriber and love listening to the podcast. Just a reminder to not group all teachers under the umbrella of those who may not want to go back to school. Uh, There are many of us who want to go back to school and think that kids should be in school. I'm extremely frustrated by this situation we are in and what uh, I deem as an overreaction and a treatment that is 100% political. It is incredible uh, the actual percentage of people who get COVID-19 and die, yet we shut down. 
During this time, we need to be careful not to group and refer uh, opinions to all people in a certain industry. I also live in uh, Washington state, so I deal with the liberal overreaction daily and feel I have a governor who is significantly under uh, an undereducated leader who has poor leadership skills. Moving my family to another state is just simply not an option right now. Thanks for the podcast. I'm a fan. Keep doing great things. Just remember, not all teachers want to be out of school. That's sad. No, Zach, thank you. I, if I didn't make that distinction that you suggest, I should have. I was made, mostly talking about the teacher organizations, the unions, and the administrative blob, which has been opposed to school opening. I do know a lot of teachers uh, are in favor of, uh, of opening school. But, you know, um, Puritans believed, as you know, Claude, as a good Puritan, or at least a good Protestant, mm-hmm. <laughs> former Catholic, maybe someday he'll come back. And, oh, no, that's, I never mind. Tempted to. Is that that a community of sinners can make a good church, right? Mm -hmm. You can have a community of sinners and have a great church. Um, A community of uh, excellent teachers. And I think most teachers are good enough. Good enough. B minus. B average. Some, many A. uh, Some C. But I think, you know, most teachers are adequate to the job. And they're pretty good. But organized as a teacher's union, it's bad. It's the opposite of the Puritans. Community of sinners can make a good church. Community of pretty good teachers can make, when they organize into a labor union, a horrible organization. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the labor union's position is not the position of an awful lot of teachers, which is why, uh, you know, the recent Supreme Court decision was so important, uh, saying that, you know, people don't have to join these unions, and it shouldn't be presumed that they want to join the unions. But thank you, Zach. Zach is a teacher who supports going back to school. And Zach is a, you know, guy who's doing it there in the state of Washington. My hat's off to you, Zach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've got Lenny from Cleveland. I uh, want to talk about the Joel Farkas interview we did a few shows back. This is your uh, Joel Farkas discussion brought to mind the enclosed article about the media's business model to uh, being to influence rather than to maximize profitability. They say Trump is creating all the division. They're wrong. It is the left Democrat Party uh, corporatist media that divides us into uh, competing rent-seeking groups. 18 through 54 demo, college-educated white women, soccer moms, security moms, angry white males, women of color, et cetera, et cetera. The self-described elites are content to instruct uh, we great unwashed and demonstrate the superiority of their values over ours without the need to worry about uh, the glorious uh, concerns of making a profit. Ours is a higher societal and intellectual calling is what they feel is what he's saying. Uh, Roger Ailes recognized the bias in the old line media and created the highly successful Fox news. Yeah. Found a niche market, a niche market, uh, half the country. That might have been the triggering event that caused the Yolan media to turn inward and be content only t- talking to themselves, their sympathetic acolytes, and the easily persuadable. Trump's policies are meritocratic, uh, therefore group neutral, everyone benefits, and that irritates them. The reckoning is coming Tuesday. I would not be surprised if Trump actually flips California. That's Lenny from Cleveland. Wow, California, that's a long, long flip. Boy, <laughs> He's hopeful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would agree on this. He focuses on the media. I think more significant even than the progressives capturing you know, a large part of the Democrat Party and the energy of the Democrat Party is the we saw in the last four years, the press just total, mm-hmm. uh, totally became a, a, you know, an adjunct to the Democrat Party and Liberal Party. Uh, just the way they went after Trump, 
on the basis of no evidence. You heard what I said earlier with the Christine Blasey Ford thing. Everything, you know, wrong asserted about Trump or Kavanaugh is assumed to be true. Uh, but uh, anything wrong asserted about Biden or Hunter uh, uh, presumed to be and, and buried as baseless. Uh, the press has clearly shown its ideological stripes, and um, I hope they're embarrassed tonight and the days to come. They are clearly uh, have taken sides, and a free and independent press is uh, not what we've got. I find interesting, too, the reaction of conservatives to Fox. And I don't really object, you know, taking on Donna Brazil and taking on Juan Williams. Gosh, Juan Williams is putting in a lot of time. You know, he's there sort of holding up the liberal side in a lot of these panels he does every day on the five i know what that feels like by the way <laughs> i was the conservative on cnn panels which had four <laughs> liberals and me and i um but uh and no and me had yeah object of the verb and um you know even the stress about chris wallace which i share which i share i i just think you know this i just think this notion of impartiality there is just not not true it's not true about the media and um that's a shame because that's a, you know, they're supposed to be telling the truth, honesty, not ideology. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next? All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's end this with our friend, Nick. This oh, is Dibble. this Nick from Texas? Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, this is yeah. I am a native Texan, an engineer, 38 years old and a father of a one-year-old boy. I'm a taxpayer, a happily married man, a homeowner and a patriotic American. And I am enthusiastically voting for Joe Biden. He said, I used to listen to your radio show on the way to work back in the mid 2000s. Uh, I've never been a conservative person, but I enjoy listening to the opposing point of view. And I think that you have a good voice for radio. Um, I also appreciate your motto uh, that discussion should be approached with uh, candor, intelligence and goodwill. I hope you take the following comments uh, in that uh, spirit. And I'll kind of summarize it. Uh, He says, I caught up with your podcast a few months ago and I was interested to hear uh, your take on current affairs. I was disappointed to find that you uh, that you've dedicated this latter part of your career to rationalizing uh, the Trump administration. I've listened to a few of the recent episodes in order to try and understand your point of view and how you got there. One thing I noticed, uh, you tend to dismiss all the criticism of Donald Trump as merely criticism of his personal style. In fact, it is the substance of Donald Trump's words and actions that I and many Americans object to in substance matters, or at least it should. Uh, Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I believe uh, our elected officials should meet a minimum level of honesty and integrity, and I do not believe uh, President Trump meets those standards. Uh, I'm going to skip down to, I know that for me personally, uh, and many, and and by skipping, I just want to let let Nick know, uh, Dr. Bennett read the entire email just for the podcast sake, and we just want to skip down to a, a few more points. Um, I know that for me personally and many Americans like me, uh, President Obama is a role model of how to be a good leader, a good father and a good husband and a good citizen. He's the kind of man that I want my son to grow up to be. And Donald Trump represents the kind of person I do not want my son to grow up uh, to be. And then he says, maybe I'm out of touch with uh, the American people and what they want. Or maybe I represent a growing majority of Americans. Uh, We're not crazy, radical or unhinged. We just want a reasonable, responsible person in charge of the American government. Such a respectful and thoughtful uh, email mm-hmm. and uh, intelligent and candid, and I, I, I feel goodwill at it, too. So he meets the conditions. What's, what's the gentleman's name again? That would be Nick. Nick. So, Nick, let me respond directly. Um, 
I think some things are mixed in there. Would you, Ulysses S. Grant was uh, often wrong, made a lot of strategic mistakes. Um, some argument as to whether he was a drunkard, an alcoholic. Uh, a recent biography, which I read, gosh, thousand pages, suggests he wasn't. He liked liquor, but not an alcoholic. But let's presume he was. Would you want your son to grow up to be an alcoholic? No, you would not. Uh, but Lincoln said of Grant, he wins. And he also said, you know, he'd buy a case of whatever Grant was drinking for his other generals. Um, my ma major objection to Grant was not so much the drinking as his willingness to sacrifice huge numbers of men in battles that didn't require that kind of sacrifice. Um, I think of the closing battles of the war in Virginia and, and, and elsewhere. Uh, just the huge sacrifice, just keep piling man after man after man against the outman Confederacy. But it was, you know, these, some of these were battles of attrition. But still, you know, he won the war. Uh, Donald Trump is no saint. Uh, he certainly has sins. And one thing about him is they're way out, right out there in the open. You know, some people are upset about failing to put forward his taxes. Some people are upset about, you know, what... Um, Nick, it's Nick, right? Talked yes. about us, you know, the, the you know, uh, he said in the letter about, you know, the birth, where was Obama born and so on. Uh, some people are upset, you know, about Stormy Daniels and all that, and womanizing. A lot of people are upset about the tweeting. And, you know, one can take honest, you know, issue with all those things. This is not an exemplary character in some ways. But, Nick says somewhere in there, let's look at his words and actions. Mm -hmm. I would say, let's look at his words and then let's look at his actions. His words are often not so good. Often they are good. Think of the speech in Warsaw, Poland, and I think of that State of the Union what, two years ago. But a lot of his words are nasty and mean and unnecessary and unthoughtful and callous. Thoughtless and callous. And I'll say that as a Trump supporter. But look at his actions. I just say two things. I don't think any president in modern history, and I mean modern like the last hundred years, has fulfilled as many promises as, as Donald Trump. He said he was going to do these things, the wall, the embassy in Israel, um, building up the defense capabilities of the United States, lowering taxes, charging up an economy. But it goes on and on and on. He did these things. Of course, COVID hit, and the indictment is that, you know, he didn't do, you know, what he should have for COVID. I think he's done very well. If you look at Biden's plan, it really is not very different from from uh, from Trump's. But main thing, he has kept his promises. Second, what he's done is made America stronger. Right? Even with the COVID and the hangover from COVID and the decline in the economy from COVID, though it's coming back up, more Americans than, than less, the majority of Americans feel they're much better off than they were four years ago, even with COVID and you know, the, the economic downturn that COVID called, caused. But, you know, can you say of, of Trump a lot of derogatory things? You can. Bully. You know, I've said a lot of them. I don't, you know, need, need to say more. I concede a lot of that. Uh, you know, people write me and say, can you get a hold of his thumbs so he can stop tweeting? No, I can't get a hold of his thumbs. No one else can either. You know, strengths are weaknesses. And the guy's bullheadedness is sometimes his weakness. It's also his strength. No president in history, and I've been around for a lot of history, has has given more access to the press. I mean, the, the number of hours he spent with the press. And you know what? And I really appreciate this. He answers the questions that are asked. 
he, you may not like the answers and often the press doesn't, but he does. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of times people say, I just, I just don't want to have my, my kid listen to, to Trump. All right, well then turn him off when Trump's on. If you think Trump's too rough and he's teaching your kid, you know, how not to be a mannerly person, I, you know, I understand. I think that's probably fair. But when it comes to governing the country, you know, like Grant, he wins. He's, he's done great things for this country. And, and as far as your praise of Obama, he might have had an elegance about him and a sophistication and a coolness. And he certainly rarely got personal, but did time to time. But his presidency was not good. You know, we lost ground in the economy. I mean, it was the weakest economic recovery we've had from a downturn or recession. Uh, and, you know, in foreign affairs, we, you know, we didn't do very well. Uh, the Soviets grew stronger and the China grew much stronger. I mean, think about Trump confronting China. Nobody did that. Obama didn't do it. Bushes didn't do it. By the way, you know, do you see the reports, Claude, of the uh, killings in um, Vienna and in France? Yeah, I did. Anti-Semitism and the Muslim guys in uh, Paris beheading a teacher and so on. Remember when we used to wake up and it'd be a story about a nightclub getting shot up and someone screaming Allahu Akbar or an office was shot up and so and so. We don't hear that anymore in the United States. It's not going on. And you got to give some credit to Department of Homeland Security and the guy who hires the Department of Homeland Security, the president. Mm -hmm. So, Nick, I appreciate it. I I think it is in candor, intelligence and goodwill that you wrote. And I try to respond the same way. Um, I heard a a friend say my, my son said, Married son with children. I'm just tired of trying to explain to my son, you know, what Trump did there with the Billy Bush interview about women and so on. Yeah, it's gross, ugly. Mm -hmm. And I thought at the time, you remember, this was the thing in the trailer and all. I thought at the time that would be disqualifying, but it didn't. People said, no, it's crappy and stupid. But uh, take the man in the totality of his actions. Take the man in the totality of his actions. And we'll see. We'll see what. See what the American people think about that. And we'll think, know that maybe at the end of the day. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Brian Kennedy is the president of the American Strategy Group, former president of the Claremont Institute scholar, a friend, and um, as you see, as you've heard before, a very thoughtful man. Who's going to win this election, Brian? Donald Trump is going to get reelected in a very big election, going to be a landslide, I think, very close to it. Uh, In any case, it's going to be decisive. That matters. 308 last time, I think. What do you think this time? Uh, This time, I think it's going to be threes. Three, 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 333 votes. That would be an okay deal. That would be an okay election uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it sure would. So by your count, I was talking to the audience before he came on about Pennsylvania. I've read a lot, and I think I fathomed what's going on there. It's pretty complicated, but I thought the door was closed by the Supreme Court. It was not closed. So in case the difference is Pennsylvania, short version, the United States Supreme Court can revisit its temporary uh, decision of a 4-4, which is, is essentially to say we're not going to interfere with an election five days before. 
But if it, uh, Pennsylvania makes a difference, I think there'll be another challenge. And then the basic issue, as Andy McCarthy explained it to me, is that state legislatures can set the rules for how elections take place, but not state courts. And in Pennsylvania, that's what happened. The state courts have said, you know, we'll count these ballots for three days afterwards. They don't have to be signed, don't have to be postmarked, all sorts of stuff. An invitation to mischief. So the reason I, I, I like your idea of 333 is it would make the Pennsylvania outcome irrelevant. That's, yes. only, that's only 20, you know. That's yeah, only. that's only 20. I was on the phone this morning with a group in Nevada who were watching what was going on there, and they were very encouraged by what was going on. But they were discouraged by the fact that even if they won on election day, the president won on election day, that it could go to court and that there was no way of stopping uh, the process of counting. When you have a Democrat state with a Democrat legislature and a governor and a secretary of state and attorney general, you're, you're really under the gun, which should be a lesson to everyone yeah. that they ought to take politics more seriously and that these lower offices still matter an awful lot. Well, George, again, George Soros understood that, by the way. Yeah, of course. That's why he funded so many campaigns at the local level, right? Right, right, exactly. Tell us why you think uh, the president will win. I want you to tell us first why he will win. Second, after a while, I want you to tell us why he should win. Uh, why he will win is because he has uh, the energy and determination to lead the country in a very difficult time. And he made that case over and over again to the American people. And I think he'll win because he, you know, the American people see that violence in the streets is going to destroy their country. And they see that Donald Trump is the only man standing against that. It's a, it's a funny kind of election, isn't it? In some ways, it's, it should be a slam dunk for the president, given that other than COVID, it's a very strong economy. Things are going great, again, other than COVID. But the Democrat, Democrats in America have seemed to have lost their mind and so have done everything in their power over four years to just talk about lies and deceit and deception. And it just seems crazy. And well, so what should otherwise be a blowout is is a close election. And, and when you say everything's going well, except for COVID, right. And COVID is not going as badly as most of the press reports have it, as most of the media accounts for it. I mean, they would tell you that we're in the second plague now and it's worse than the first and that more and more people are getting infected. And you would assume from that more and more people are being hospitalized and dying. But that isn't the case. Right. The media has been totally dishonest about COVID, as we know. And, you know, every every newscast nearly starts with, you know, the death toll in America continues to rise from COVID. Well, of course, it it's not going down. It's not going if, yeah, down. No, no, if you're counting totals, it can't go down. Uh, was I was saying earlier, the press, I guess, I guess the press has been liberal leading left for a long time. And I remember talking about this 15, 20 years ago. But it seems to me it was in this four years that they sort of made a decided commitment to be left. I mean, somebody said when they got it wrong the first time, uh, of the election and about Trump. It was it was an error. Get it wrong the second time, it's a decision. Um, I mean, they are just out there. They're, they're just critics of the president and supporters of the Democrat Party and supporters of the progressive wing of the Democrat Party. Correct? Press, by and large? Uh, yeah, no, I think, th I think that's right. And look, in some ways, it should be expected. They're human beings. 
they have political views. It used to be in America, we had a, a liberal press and a conservative press, and they battled with one another, and people could see for themselves what was, what was true and not true. In some ways, we have that still today. It's just that the conservative part of the press has been relegated to the internet solely. Yeah. It doesn't make the mainstream media at all. Fox News, yes, sometimes at the margins. But CNN, MSNBC, they are totally in for the Democrats. They're transparent about it now. And there's no one on those channels that has any competing point of view. Yeah. Why should he win? What, what's at stake here? There are lots of reasons. We talk about the economy. We talk about you know competence. Uh, I've talked about how he has kept more promises than any president in, in memory. Um, what, 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 what is this election about at its base, at its bottom? What is the fundamental question in this uh, election? We had Tom Klingenstein, friend of yours, who introduced me to him, who said it's about fundamental things, about whether you believe, I use the word again, fundamentally, that America is a good country uh, and can always be better, but it's basically a good country. Or if you believe it's a bad country, uh, Tom uses one example. He said, if you believe that it's a systematically racist country, then it's a bad country and it needs to be replaced. The logic you know, follows. Is that what it's about? I think so, substantially. Uh, at, at, you know, at its core, America, as we know, is a good country. Its principles are good. Its people are good. Even if there was, I'll disagree with Tom, though, in a sense, even if it was systemically racist, and of course it's not, but even if it was, Donald Trump would still be a better man to try to fix it than Joe Biden would. Uh-huh. Here we are today with a man who believes in America, in Donald Trump. He believes in its goodness. He believes in whatever mistake it may have made, but he's always working to make it better, right? When he talks about make America great again, do we have any doubt what that means? I mean, he, is, he has gotten white people, black people, brown people, Asian people, et cetera. He's got them jobs. He's got them health care. He's got them, you know, making their lives, you know, better, happier, their family stronger. All those things are great. And, you know, if we do have any problem, Trump wants to fix it. Think about that. He wants to fix everything. Is there an idea when put in front of him, he doesn't want to try? And so when you think, why should the guy win? Well, he should win because he's in the business of making this country a better country. It's already a good country, and he wants to make it a better country. So Tom, Tom is absolutely right in, 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 the, in the big picture. Uh, but, you know, Trump, God bless him. I think he has courage in ways that I've never seen a president in my lifetime. I mean, certainly Reagan did, but Trump is up up against so much more than that. I'd also say that one reason why he should win is this is partly an election about whether we're going to be governed by ourselves as Americans or whether we're going to be governed by, you know, a bureaucracy and the administrative state. And here that really is the very thing Ronald Reagan was talking about in 64. Are we going to govern ourselves based on the principles of the American founders, or are we going to be governed by a small elite in a land far away from where the people live, as in Washington, D.C.? That's the choice, right? That's what Reagan talked about in 64. And I think the American people have another man in Donald Trump who is saying, you're going to govern yourself. We're going to govern ourselves. 
these experts, they brought us endless wars. They've got brought us bad health care. They brought us bad trade deals. And we're going to do something different. And we're going to get this right. And God bless him for that. And by the way, he states what the policies are. He puts it right in front of the American people. And he basically asks them what they think of this. Yeah. That's pretty healthy, too, I think. Is there a moral, spiritual dimension? You sent me a copy of the letter, which I had not seen, from, uh, is it Archbishop Vigano? Is that how you say it? Vigano. Vigano, I think. You found it very moving, and I did too. Could you talk about it a little bit with the audience? This was, this was... Uh, he was the papal nuncio, right? Or he is? Was the papal, he was the papal nuncio to the United States. He uh, is a, what we might say, uh, an opponent of the Pope. Pope Francis, he disagrees with the Pope's liberal stance and is pretty outspoken in his conservative stance. And he wrote an open letter. He wrote two open letters that I think are worth your your listeners uh, finding online. Maybe you can put them on your website. Claude, let's put a link up. Yeah, they, uh, they're both about COVID. They're both about the kind of government that needs to be created in order to regulate the lives of people at this level. And he sees in that entire effort a kind of demonic spirit that wants to control the lives of the American people and undermine their freedom and undermine their sense of decency and purpose. And for, a, for an archbishop of the Catholic Church to take such a bold stand, I think was amazing. And he does it in such elegant language and with such force that I, I, I'd highly recommend them. But he does cast it in terms of good versus evil. When you have a global elite who wants to give you vaccinations and to regulate your life because of a, a virus, you know, he himself is a very suspicious man of those kind of things. And he's speaking in part as, of course, just a, just a citizen of the world, as it were, a man, but also as a spiritual leader. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't recommend them any any, uh, okay, we'll put a link up. Would you? Uh, you just said something. Would you oppose vaccination? Uh, you know, there are some of these vaccinations that are literally being described as altering your DNA, and I think it should be up to everyone to decide what's best for them after they do their own research. Yeah, well, the president now, is pushing for a vaccine, obviously, pushing well, he, very hard. He's pushing very hard, but he's also pushing very hard with not a lot of help from the FDA for a lot of these therapeutics. Yeah. What did yeah. he, t- what did he take? Yeah. He got it. He took therapeutics. He called it a cure. The therapeutics he was taking have a lot of natural components to them that caused his body and its immune system to react in a very positive way. That seems to me a much better kind of approach than a vaccination that in one description alters your DNA and doesn't seem that healthy. And so let's be smart about this. And being smart means trying a whole bunch of things. Okay. And right now, the FDA is not not allowing that. Okay, okay. I haven't, you know, I mean, I, I, I imagine that he, I think I've heard him say, although you're right about his own treatment, but I think I've heard him say that he would not approve of any vaccine that he would himself not be willing to take. Oh, absolutely. No, look, the president is is very sensible that yeah. way. Uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But I, I think if we had a list of four vaccines and four therapeutics, I would trust the American people make to the decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with enough information and depending on your age, 
And whether you traveled a lot, whether you had kids, grandkids, whatever, you'd figure all these things out. But to have one vaccine that you were told altered your DNA that was forced upon yeah, you, sure. that seems crazy. Sure. Uh, what do you make? Um, I, I take a lot of my um, encouragement, and I'm obviously for a Trump victory, from these crowds. Seems to me they're quite amazing. Um, I was watching Tucker Carlson last night. He talked about the crowd in Butler, Pennsylvania, which is not a big place. But Butler and surroundings brought out a crowd of 56,000 people. 56,000 people to hear the president. Uh, that's extraordinary. We have never seen anything like that in our, in our time. Um, I remember the joke, uh, I was out, uh, Rush Limbaugh asked me to, I asked Rush Limbaugh to go out and endorse the candidacy of a guy named John Carlson. I don't know if you ever remember John, but oh, sure, yeah. the radio host in Seattle. And I asked Rush, he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. He picked me up in EIB one, his plane, and we stopped and picked up the, uh, coach of the Arizona Suns. Is that the basketball team, the pro basketball team? Can't remember his name, Paul something. And, uh, Westfall. Yes. And we went on to Seattle and there were three rallies. And at one of the rallies, there was 25,000 people. And John Carlson said, it's amazing. The turnout for me, Rush Limbaugh and I turned out 25,000 people. (laughs) (laughs) He might've even said Bill Bennett and Rush Limbaugh and I, but it was Rush Limbaugh, obviously. But Trump is crowds. I've never seen anything like it. I saw big crowds for Reagan, but nothing like this. Well, uh, I think the answer, though, is pretty easy, isn't it? And that is, with Reagan, there was still the understanding that there were grown-ups in Washington who cared about the future of the country and were willing to fight and do the right thing to keep the country a going concern and safe and secure. And the country was a lot healthier politically back during Reagan, maybe even during Bush. But today, I think the American people have a sense that the institutions of Washington have failed. The FBI, the Justice Department, the Department of Education, the media, you know, the big institutions of our country have failed us in some profound ways. And here you have a, a populist president who says, we're going to fix this. We, we're going to fix this. And so they come out to the rallies because they believe them that they together are going to fix them. And so that's that's why they're big crowds. They think they're in this with the president to fix it. Well, I think it, I think there's that. But I think as well, it's where you were before as much that these things and these people were not spoken to before. Um, what a guy said in the in the, you know, the, uh, he said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know Trump, but Trump knows me. You know, Trump knows who I am. It's people in Butler, Pennsylvania, and Tucker made reference to this last night. I was so glad he did because it's a neglected topic of discussion in our time. I was drug czar, you remember. He talked about the horrible opioid problem in Butler and surrounding area. And he said, you know, and, and, the, and the people in Washington didn't care. Essentially, they didn't care. And there's a sense that, you know, they'll go forward with Trump and he'll try to fix these things. But there's also, there's, there's somebody there who's paying attention to them and actually gives a damn about them and the establishment, the swamp, whatever, doesn't, didn't. Does this mean there's a reshuffling, a very, very sort of concrete question, of the Republican Party? I remember a book I read years ago. I don't know if you read it. It's by Ryan Salon, who's now the president of the Manhattan Institute and uh, the guy who writes for the New York Times on religion. But they said the party, 
the Grand New Party, I think it was called. And um, they said the Republican Party needs to build itself more on the base of working class people who have traditional values. And that's what it looks like in a lot of the Trump rallies, is working people who have traditional values of family, faith, God, country. And I wonder if this is a, what we you know, use an expression that's overused, a realignment uh, in, that, in that direction. Is there a realignment going on? You know, I think so. I, I think so, or I, let me say I hope so. And I think that the working class people of this country want a president who's on their side. I, I often I often tell this story, but my uh, my sister four years ago, who would normally about about this time of year, Thanksgiving, she would uh, she'd come in for Thanksgiving over to the house, and she'd she'd ask her older brother, who works for a political think tank, so who are we for this this time, meaning. Who are we for for president? And it's not that she doesn't have a mind of her own, but she walked in four years ago and she said, we're for Trump, right? And I said, well, I could be and I like him. Why are you for him? And she said, he's on our side. Without missing a beat, he's yeah. on our side. Yeah. She's a hardworking nurse. And she thought that Donald Trump was on her side. And she sensed that these other Republicans were not on her side. And so- the Republican Party, if it were smart, would learn something from Donald Trump and his transparent appeal to working men and women in this country and what it takes to make their lives better. That, that's, that seems to me an encouraging thing. I also, uh, as I say, I was on the phone with someone in Nevada this morning, and there's a guy running for, for Congress in a Democrat seat, and it looks today like he's going to win it. And his name is Dan Rodemer, and he was a professional wrestler, you know, on yeah, the WWE, yeah. WWE professional wrestler on TV. Big Dan is his name, and he's a giant of a guy. And he's been hit hit in the head many times by a chair. And yeah. I think I think I think the wrestler John Cena actually ended up breaking his neck uh-huh. in one of those <laughs> things, in one of these things. So he had to retire. But he's a conservative guy running running for Congress in Nevada. And it looks like he's going to win because the working class people that are in Las Vegas saw in this Republican, like Donald Trump, a guy who was on their side. Well, yeah. okay. there's a lesson there for everybody. Okay. Yeah. And, and the Democrats now seem like they're not on for some very odd reason. And it's a very unfortunate thing in our politics. But the Democrats no longer seem to be on the side of the American people. Yeah, I know. Claude and I were talking about this earlier, and and I I am always curious because I've followed this, and I really admire the Trump campaign for reaching out to Black Americans in the way they have. Don't agree with every single thing. I'm something somebody ambivalent on this early release thing, as I've told you, but I understand what's going on. But Claude said he noticed, you know, there's some some folks in the community, Black community, are going to be for Trump. I just, in the interim, between talking to Claude about it and having you come on, I talked to one of my sons who uh, all identities will remain here uh, hidden, but he went to the barber shop. He said, I had a black barber, older guy. And he said, it came out in the course of the conversation that he's a secret Trump supporter. He didn't want to, he didn't want to tell anybody. Don't want a public. He said, I only tell my customers, you know, (laughs) my closest friends, but uh, Claude, I don't know if you, 
<laughs> you know, what do they say? An anecdote is not data, but uh, I wonder, I wonder how much of that there is. There are a lot of people who think that Donald Trump will get some significant slice of the black vote, particularly black men. Uh, and I've heard it said that if he gets 12 to 15% of the black vote total, um, it's over. The election's over. Uh, any comment on that? I, I think that's very encouraging. Uh, the reason he's doing well, I think, with black men is because he doesn't talk to them as black men. Yeah. He just talks to them as Americans. Yeah. And he will address some concerns, as you say, about drug use or early release or criminal justice reform, as they like to say. But the vast majority of the time, he's just talking to them as Americans. He's not pandering to them. They like that. Any, any, any decent human being would like that. Correct. But apart from talking, look what he's done. I mean, the well, jobs, co- the economy. Yes, I mean, of course. That's the real, you know, I was talking earlier about an email I got about his words and actions. I said, can we separate his words and his actions? Because sometimes his words aren't the right words, you know? And they're, you know, they're sometimes can be too tough, too, too boorish, too, you know, too, 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 too rough. But his actions have been angelic, it seems to me. I, yes. And let me just say, I like his words, too. I know. Most of them. Most of them, nearly all, <laughs> nearly all of them. And, and right. the re and the reason is even when he's, he, he talks seems like over a regular the top, guy, he talks, like a regular yeah, he talks like a regular guy. And it takes, it takes that to break through all the craziness in, uh, in American politics, uh, you know, n- not to shift it all, but um, Trump does something different to people too. He somehow animates them that they're not alone. Yeah. I was in, I was in a shoe store. Uh, I'll use the brand name. Uh, but I was in a store buying a Birkins. It was a Birkenstock store and I won't say where it is, but you know, Birkenstocks are thought of as kind of a hippie kind of sandal. Right. Yeah. And I go to the Birkenstock store and I'm looking around and I, I buy something and the lady who's running the store, she probably owns the store. She's, you know, probably an older lady in her seventies, looks like an old hippie tie dye skirt, everything. I mean, she's, out of central casting for what you'd think of as a liberal. California Birkenstock lady. Right. Store. Right. So I right. buy, I buy something and within 30 seconds of me paying, she's encouraging me to haranguing me really to vote for Donald Trump because she says the Democrats and Gavin Newsom here in California are killing America. Well, I would say when you've lost the, liberal hippie Birkenstock lady, you've, you've lost. lost a lot. You've lost, right. And when she's willing to give Donald Trump a listen to and starts going from that to advocating for him, there's something going on in American politics. I got you. I got you. I got you. Let's talk just a minute about the Senate. I said earlier, just a one sentence, I said, I think if Trump wins, we hold the Senate because I think a lot of people are attached to him. Uh, if he goes down, some of them may go down. If he's up and we think both think he's going to be up, then they'll be up. Do you agree? I don't think we take the House, but I think if Trump wins, we keep the Senate. Yeah, I, th- I think we can uh, win, the, win the Senate. And I wouldn't be, one, yes, if, if the president wins, as, as you and I are saying, we will keep the Senate. And I would not be surprised to win the House. Really? In that, really? Case, that case of Dan Rodemer in Nevada is an example. Yeah. He's likely to win, he's likely to win the congressional seat, even if the president loses the state. That's a lot of that's a lot of votes. The House. I mean, you need a lot of replacements to get that. Right. 
Oh, right. okay. So, you're, so, so, you're, so, so that may not happen. You're, but you're talking landslide or possibility of landslide, real possibility of landslide. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Real, okay. real possibility. Can, can I tell you my worry? Yes, please. Tell me your worry. That, that we're seeing the potential with the Trump victory of a lot of violence, a lot of violence in Washington, yeah. and a lot of violence around the nation. And the American left is not going to be happy about a Trump victory and is going to do everything in their power to try to change that. You saw the transition uh, integrity project yeah. a while ago with John Podesta and those yeah. folks where they were talking about how to get rid of Trump and you know what happens in various scenarios. I think we're going to see a big Trump victory, and I think we're going to see Antifa and BLM on the streets of Washington, on the streets of New York, on the streets of you know America's big cities, causing all sorts of violence and havoc. And they think of this; they think of themselves as the vanguard of a revolution, unfortunately, and they expect that they they're going to call the president's victory a coup. And so they're going to cast uh, doubt upon it immediately. And they're going to agitate for the next several months, possibly, in order to change our politics. This is the most terrifying thing about our politics today, that the American left is no longer liberal in any sense, that it really has taken on a near communist fascistic bent and they really do mean to replace political discourse with an ongoing occupation, resistance, violent type of resistance. It's really the only way I'm repeating myself, but it is a kind of resistance to a free society. I have two disagreements with that, I think. Yeah. What you just said. One, one, it's not a disagreement, it's a refinement, and I, I, I don't want to appear argumentative. You said... You know, if this happens, Trump wins. We'll see this reaction all over the country. It won't be all over the country. It won't be in Butler, Pennsylvania, right? No. It'll, be, right. In, it'll be in Democrat cities. Yes, and again, we don't want to make the mistake liberals make of confusing the country with New York, Washington, Seattle, Portland, right? Detroit. It won't be all over the country. It'll be in those cities and maybe a few others, but it won't be. It won't be in red America. It'll be in dark blue America. Maybe. Uh, I, if I mean, it happens, if it happens. well, they, they, they've actually been agitating for. I mean, doing Kenosha. This. There was Kenosha, right? Yeah. Well, there was Kenosha, but they've also been agitating uh, to go to Red America. I think they'd be wrong and stupid to do this because yeah. in Red America, people have pickup trucks and guns and a manly spirit. Yeah, so they'd be dumb to do it, but they are talking about going to the suburbs in Red America in order to bring the revolution to them. Yeah, yeah. Again, you have this, yeah. In D.C., you have this gal, Lisa Fithian, who yeah. is a communist agitator. And there have been these Zoom calls you may have heard of in the last few days where you have government employees talking about well, bringing guns to work and having a kind of coup. Well, that's, that's the part I wanted to fix on. Was it you who told me about the coach... Was it Illinois State who was run out of his job by Black Lives Matter? Somebody told me this, and I'm, I'm sure this is apocryphal and I want Claude to be listening, but that there was a coach, I think it was Illinois State, it may be wrong, who basically uh, you know, said some things and 
about protests and you know they weren't horrible he just said i okay enough guys let's go back let's go practice football and he was run out and some folks at black lives matter said well this was successful now and this is what i thought was laughable now let's go after dabo sweeney well good luck on that one <laughs> go, go down to clemson and see if you can get dabo sweeney fired now you talk about running into some resistance a wall of resistance right led right. by led by your buddy uh uga right <laughs> dj dj uh, i'm sorry dj DJ. dj yeah dj but uga's his last name right uh but i mean but but no but the temptation is there to go to go to the red places but i want to i want to make my larger objection yeah your biggest worry is that my biggest worry and you kind of blended the two at the end when you talked about government officials with guns is less what happens on the streets, although if it escalates, obviously it's serious. If it escalates a lot, it's really serious. I'm more concerned about the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. I'm more concerned about the derogation of our institutions, the decline of our institutions by, quote, officials, by people in suits rather than black turtlenecks who decide they're going to count ballots that aren't signed, count ballots where the signatures don't match, count ballots that aren't postmarked. You know, the corruption of the of the of the bureaucracy of the government officials, um, the corruption in and of the swamp is, you know, where this stuff becomes looks more civilized because it's in a suit. But the damage, you know, the Supreme Court decision of Pennsylvania is allowed to stand, not corrected by the Supreme Court of the United States. And Trump wins by 278. Trump will lose by 250 with 258. That's really consequential. These guys, when they push the envelope in the streets, I don't think they're going to prevail. And I don't think AOC is going to prevail. She may prevail in the Democrat Party, but I still think there's enough of a center in the American people that that'll be resisted. could be a long and bloody struggle and even greater and bigger than the late 60s. But I don't think they win. No, I don't think they win either. I, I think that's, that's quite right. You're right to make that correction. I do worry about the uh, the court as well, but let's hope they make, of course, the right decision. I mean, courts, legislatures, yes, bureaucrats, yes, right. agents, state agencies, federal agencies, all those people. Yeah, right. I, I guess when I, when I was pointing to these other government officials talking about revolution, all I really mean to uh, to point out, and and again, there, I, I'll send a good link for uh, for Claude for the for the listeners on this. But there's a um, there's a sense that our government's hired a whole bunch of people who were radicals who've been educated by our universities that America is a bad place and they no longer have the kind of love and devotion to the country yeah. that they should have and they're now working in our government and in our intelligence community and they think that they're a law unto themselves yeah and that's a that's a dangerous thing when you have a lot of those kind of people in your you know, in your government. Chase Bodine, just Cheesa Bodine, son of weather underground radical, sworn as San Francisco's new district attorney. Okay. Great. Son of the weather man, son of weather underground. Uh, according to NBC, this guy is in office. He is the son of weather underground radicals convicted of murder. Chisa Bodine set to be sworn in son of underground radicals raised by weather underground founder, Bill Ayers, and his wife in Chicago studied at Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. Of course, he was awarded a Rhodes Scholarship and worked as a translator for Hugo Chavez, probably supported by Soros. 
So I, I guess he's probably wearing a suit now, which is kind of my point and your point. Well, this guy is a subversive. He's yes. Not, he's not prosecuting people who are destroying people's property. Right, right. And, and of course, that's the same seat that uh, Kamala Harris used to occupy. Well, maybe he's got a future, you know. Maybe he has a future. But Kamala Harris, of course, is a very radical person herself. Of course, of course. And came out of that same tradition of being a prosecutor. But wasn't she a tough prosecutor? It's unclear. I think she's a very selective prosecutor. They select the things that they want to prosecute based on her own advantage. She replaced replaced Terrence Hallinan, son of the famous communist Vincent Hallinan in San Francisco, because he wasn't left enough. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, this is, I guess what we're pointing to, though, is the fact that our institutions that we think should be a stabilizing factor, such as the administration of justice, has been the target of the American left. Of course. And they realize that if you can put prosecutor behind, you, you know, somewhere on your resume, it is the golden ticket to higher office. Yeah, I don't want to, I know. And I'm feeling guilty here now for saying, not guilty, but just questioning my own judgment and reaction to you. I remember after 9-11, I wrote a book with Seth Liebson um, about it all. And, and we founded this organization, Americans for Victor, Victory Over Terrorism. I was doing a radio with a guy in Portland, and he said, yeah, that 9-11 thing, that thing that happened on the East Coast. I said, no, 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 it didn't happen on the East Coast, it happened in America. He said, well, it's a long way from me. I just did the same thing. I was just about to say, to you, yeah, that's Bodine, but the, you know, that's San Francisco, Brian. You're, I mean, you're close to you, but it's not close to me. It is America, though, isn't it? It's America. And a lot of people think, you know, that a lot of America wants to replicate California. Well, also, Soros is, is putting money behind electing liberal prosecutors all over the country. Yeah, and we have Elon Omar, and, and we have Alicia Presley, and we have, uh, you know, the, the others, AOC. Well, look, the, the, the American left and the international left see politics as a full-time business yeah, because their, their target is the United States of America, whereas our side treats it more like a hobby to be done occasionally every yeah. four years, maybe every two years, but that we're otherwise busy you know, running our lives. And the Constitutional again, Convention, there's a lot of notes about, can we get this thing over with so we can go back? You know, and, and, and raise our crops and, you know, plow our fields. Um, and you know, the, the best I, the best we ever had wanted to be part-timers, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so America's getting a lesson here that this may have to be a full-time job for a while till we get it right. And I think the great lesson for the Trump administration in the second term is to get as much of this right as possible. Yeah. To clean out the institutions, to drain the swamp, and to make that more than just a, a saying, but an actual course of action. And the president did have this executive order a few weeks ago that turned certain kind of uh, career civil servants into political appointees, meaning he can fire large numbers of them. And I expect he will do that you know, sometime, sometime in the new year. It's amazing that- what he what he did in ending these seminars on critical race theory and so on that were going on inside the government. Who has the courage to do that beside yeah, Donald does. Trump? Well, the great signals he sent early on to me, and you know, this meant a lot to me because of my own personal experience, me and Miss Bennett, 
So he refused to go to the White House Correspondence Center. He just said, the hell with you guys. He doesn't care what they say about him. I mean, maybe he cares, but it doesn't change his direction. It doesn't keep him up at night. Oh, I, think, I, I, I think... don't know that he sleeps anyway. Did you hear last night he went till four? He got back at four from the last stop in Grand Rapids. And I just watched him on TV at eight, eight, at 7.30 this morning on Fox and Grand. The guy's our, indefatigable, you know? Our, our friend Steve Bannon said that when he was with the president... They'd pass by a TV in the White House and CNN or NMS, CNN or MSNBC would be on and they'd be saying awful things. And the president would just get an enormous charge out of that. Yeah. Like it would like it was proof that everything the president was doing was, was right. right. Yeah. Because they were against it. And I think that's who Donald Trump is, a man who sticks by his own convictions. Is he the guy who stands between us and chaos, whether it's in suits or streets? Absolutely. Okay. And he uh, he is a guy who has put it all on the line here. Who is who has worked harder than Donald Trump in getting reelected? I, I've never seen it okay. at, at any time in my life. And, you know, win or lose. I, I again, I think he's going to win big, but I'd rather lose with Donald Trump than win with anybody else. I understand. We'll see what happens. Brian Kennedy, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Great we'll, to be with you. We'll know soon. We'll be talking anyway, won't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. Podcast at gmail.com.